the consequence of the decisions that this backroom entity makes are so monumental that to feel so in the dark, it was infuriating. If you follow the legislative session, you may have seen some raucous meetings debating a controversial bill. But before it even got to that point, it had to go through the Rules Committee. I'm Sonia Hudson. And I'm Emily Means. Surprise! We're back! I know you all missed us terribly. I would like to welcome you to this very special bonus episode of State Street, where we're going to talk all about how the Rules Committee works. The legislative session is right around the corner, even if some people want to be in denial about that. That's, that's what's happening. That's me, Sonia. <laughs> so if there's a bill you've heard of that you're really excited about, it may actually never even get a public hearing. And if that happens, it's probably because it got stuck in rules. Now, we talked a bit about the Rules Committee earlier this season when we broke down how the 45-day legislative session works in Episode 4. You can go back and listen to that episode if you need a refresher. But the Rules Committee basically filters through all the thousand or so bills that legislators come up with and decides their fate, what committee they go to, or if they go to no committee at all. And something Republican Senator Todd Weiler said to us about the unspoken rules of the committee really got in our heads. So we wanted to take a little extra time to dig into that. The story of the Rules Committee is really a story about transparency and about power. This episode, we're going to hear from the Senate president, a member of the Senate Rules Committee, and someone who isn't a lawmaker, but who does keep a really close eye on everything that goes down in the legislature. Katie Matheson is the deputy director of Alliance for Better Utah, which is a left-leaning government watchdog group. And she explained it like this. Imagine, you know, Capitol Hill is a restaurant and all 104 lawmakers are, you know, going to this restaurant and they only have a menu that they can order from, right? And all the bills are on this menu and you can't vote on something that isn't on the menu, right? The menu is made by the people in the back room, the cooks. And the cooks and the backroom staff at the on the Hill are the rules committee and then legislative leadership. All right, let's talk about power first. And Sonia, we have this phrase that legislative reporters use a lot. That bill died in rules. Very dramatic statement. We like to bring the drama to some of those long days up on Capitol Hill. Yeah, we got to do something to get through it, you know. (laughs) And one of those bills that always dies in rules is the Equal Rights Amendment. Mm -hmm. And that would ratify an amendment to the U.S. Constitution to guarantee equal protection for people regardless of their sex. And this is something that gained traction nationwide in the 70s, but never quite squeaked through. But it still crops up again and again. And it's actually been proposed by Utah Democratic legislators four times over the past five years. And each of those times, the Rules Committee hasn't let it get a hearing. Yeah, you know, every session you'll see people up on Capitol Hill all session long wearing ERA yes or ERA no pins. Yeah, I think it's definitely an issue that some people care about. And here's Katie Matheson from Alliance for a Better Utah. 
I just don't want it to get out. I mean, we've been fighting over the Equal Rights Amendment since before any of us in this room were born. And surprisingly or unsurprisingly, this supermajority male legislative body does not want to let the Equal Rights Amendment out of rules. If you believe in the marketplace of ideas, as a lot of these lawmakers say they do, let it out. Let's hear your reason why an Equal Rights Amendment would be bad. But they don't even want to debate it. You know, Emily, the other side of this, at least according to Senator Weiler, is that there's a really practical reason why the Rules Committee holds on to bills like the ERA. I don't know that it does anyone a favor to take up a whole bunch of time in our already compressed process for a bill that we know is going to fail. <laughs> and and so if your listeners say, well, that's not fair, it should get a hearing every time, that's a fair opinion. But you need to realize 25 other bills are dying so that we can have this debate that everyone knows the end from the beginning. I see what Senator Weiler is saying, Sonia, but by that logic, the legislature definitely debates bills that some people would say are a waste of time. Like last year, they spent 10 minutes on the floor of the House talking about this resolution that honored Donovan Mitchell from the jazz over Shaquille O'Neal. It was definitely entertaining, but I will say it was also a nice break from the monotony of floor time. Also, it certainly took less time than debating the ERA in committee would. That's a fair point. But the Rules Committee let that one go out for debate. So just take from that what you will. But back to the potentially more serious bill, the ERA. If the past five years are any indication, it probably won't be getting a public hearing anytime soon. And Sonia, that's because the Rules Committee and legislative leadership just don't want it to. Maybe it is because of time constraints, like Senator Weiler was saying, or maybe it's because they just don't like it, like Katie was saying. And as much as I wish I could know what the real reason is, unfortunately, I do not have the ability to read minds. Darn it. I thought you did. I would definitely pick that as my superpower. Me too. And I bet most journalists would. And if I did have that as a superpower, I think I would be a way better journalist. (laughs) I think you're a fine journalist, just as is. Thanks, Em. (laughs) The Rules Committee is super powerful because they control which bills see the light of day and which committees consider them. But some people think the power is even more consolidated than that. The Rules Committee, like all committees, are appointed by the House Speaker and the Senate President, the cooks that make the legislative menu like Katie was talking about. Right. And some people think that means leadership can use the Rules Committee to control what happens in the legislature and which bills get a chance to be debated publicly. Think the Wizard of Oz and the man behind the curtain, or maybe the men in this case. Even Republican Senator Todd Weiler, who's on the Rules Committee, agrees that that gives leadership a lot of power. People will say, oh, the rules chair is just doing the bidding of the president or they're just doing the bidding of the House Speaker. Yeah, that's their job. That's probably theoretically correct, but practically not. That is Senate President Stuart Adams, who appointed Senator Weiler to the Rules Committee. He doesn't quite agree with Weiler's assessment. There's no one individual that has the type of power. The power comes from the collective body. That's how bills get passed. That's how bills get put on agendas. That's how they make it through committees. But Senator Weiler says if the rules chair doesn't do what leadership says, there could be consequences for that. You know, because if they don't do the bidding of the speaker, the speaker can dismiss them and appoint a new rules chair. And that would be humiliating. 
Adam says that he wouldn't do that. And the rules chair has a lot of autonomy. By the way, I wish I had all the power that he sounded like I had. So, man, that I could just rule the entire legislature and we wouldn't need anyone else. But I don't have that power. So we've got Senator Weiler saying, of course, the Rules Committee does what leadership wants. Then we've got President Adams saying it's actually a team effort. But Sonia, whichever side you fall on, the committee itself undeniably has a ton of influence. Oh, definitely. You know, they get to decide which bills get a public debate. And when bills get hearings, that means they get press coverage. There's a chance for public input. And it means they continue to be a political issue that people think and talk about. And of course, also, you know, it gives them a chance to become law. No big deal. No. (laughs) Anyway, President Adams says that system is working exactly how it's supposed to. The process is meant to be somewhat cumbersome, so only good pieces of legislation to make it through. But Katie Matheson says it's just another way to take power from the people. And invisible power structures that the average person cannot see but manipulate public policy and public discussion are very, very real and they are happening on official time in the legislature. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk about transparency in the Rules Committee and how that ties into its power. You're listening to State Street. Support for KUER comes from the local businesses and organizations that sponsor our programming. We're proud to partner with the community in support of local news and information that thousands of Utahns depend on every day. KUER sponsors reach public radio listeners on the air and online with information about the goods and services they provide. To learn more about sponsorship opportunities with KUER, visit SponsorKUER.org. You're listening to State Street. I'm Emily Means. And I'm Sonia Hudson. Participating in most legislative committees is pretty straightforward. They have a set time and place that any member of the public can easily walk into. And these days, because of COVID, you can even testify remotely just by clicking a link on the website. Right. But Sonia, that's not the case for the Rules Committee. Senator Todd Weiler says the public can technically attend those meetings, but they usually don't. But the Rules Committee will usually meet about two minutes after we adjourn. And so the time is kind of fungible. And so if you're not already there and if you don't know how to get to the – you have to come and wait in the lobby area. And then like one of our security staffers will probably escort you back. So it is the most difficult meeting to attend by far. It's set up like that for the convenience of the legislators. When Katie Matheson started learning about what she calls invisible power structures, like the Rules Committee, she says she really wanted to see that in action. So basically, she wanted to pull back the curtain and see what the deal was with the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. But, you know, Dorothy's journey to find him wasn't easy, and neither was Katie's. In order to get to this Rules Committee, we had to know this lawmaker. We had to ask them to let us into the Rules Committee during a specific day. We had to run down there once they said Rules Committee was meeting. We had to meet their staff at the door because the door was locked. They let us in. They led us to the back room. And we didn't even have seating. Like, it was just a small back room. There were no mics the way that it usually happens in a committee room. And we just had to listen very carefully and just kind of piece together what they were saying. Katie says she learned a lot about how the Rules Committee works, and what she learned made her angry. The consequence of the decisions that this backroom entity makes are so monumental that to feel so in the dark, it was infuriating. 
It seems really hard to get involved in this committee. I asked Senate President Stuart Adams about public participation there, and he said the meetings happen at roughly the same time every day after Senate floor time, and people are more than welcome to attend. We've been, I think, fairly open about the fact that the public can come, but they don't. And so I don't know why they don't come, but uh, it's an open public meeting. What did Adams have to say about all the things that Katie and Senator Weiler said were barriers to accessing the meetings? So I mentioned those reasons, like the time and the location and that there's no agenda available. Adam said there are lots of other ways people can give input. The Rules Committee, especially on bills that are significant, are getting lots of public input, not just from people showing up, but from emails and from the, the, the senators or even the House members come over and talk about their bills. And so there's a lot of input being given. I think the process is working. The Rules Committee has a ton of power. It decides which bills get to see the light of day. And some people believe it's also a way for top lawmakers, the House Speaker and the Senate President, to control what happens in the legislature. Senate President Stuart Adams says he only wishes he could have that much power. But no matter where you fall on that issue, reasonable people could agree the committee could be more transparent. Definitely. You know, it just operates differently from other committees. It's in a room in a locked area behind the Senate chamber, and it can also be really hard to understand what's going on. You know, there may not be headline grabbing, raucous hearings in the Rules Committee, but Katie Matheson says it's really important to pay attention to what goes on there. And the reality is that democracy and the Rules Committee and the legislature deliver on the needs of the people. So if you care about the needs of your community, you care about the needs of your family, you care about the needs of your neighbor, you care about rules because rules is determining the outcomes. That does it for this special bonus episode of State Street. I'm Sonia Hudson. And I'm Emily Means. The team includes Caroline Ballard, Elaine Clark, Roddy Nickpour, and Palak J. Swall. State Street is a production of KUER. We've got a brand new season coming up in January for the legislative session. We're expecting a lot of really controversial bills on things like climate change, education curriculum, the death penalty, and election security. So hopefully we'll see you on the Hill or just in your podcast feeds. But in the meantime, you can catch up on all of season one, where we take you through the basics of how politics works in Utah. And if you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It really helps other listeners find the show. Thanks. Would you be Glinda the Good Witch or the Wicked Witch of the West? I don't know. I mean, I would hope I would be Glinda. I'm probably actually more like a flying monkey kind of character. (laughs) Just like an agent of chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's how I feel at the legislature. I'm just like an agent of chaos, like wandering around the halls. (laughs) You're like pretending you're riding a broomstick and you're like... From KUER.